Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. It's a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, Mark Finn joins me, and we talk about the swords and sorcery genre. At least that's what I think we're going to talk about, because I'm recording this before our discussion. I really don't know how well we can keep on track with this, but we will see. I have a patron that I occasionally drop in a raw recording that we have some extra rambling bits of content left in, but not for this episode either, because this episode is a lean, mean fighting machine. Put on your boots, grab your sword, we're headed into the desert. Adventure awaits, sisters and brothers. It is time to get rambling. Hello, Mark. Hey, Jeff. How's it going, man? It is, uh, it is, uh, it is going. Things are going. <laughs> are indeed. We're in the middle of the month and things yeah. couldn't be going more if they were going somewhere. Yeah, so t- today, my, my typical day is work, come home, take a nap, eat, uh, just put in an art order, um, reviewed another uh, art order, and uh, now we're podcasting. So I spent the last uh, four days teaching myself how to use Premiere Pro to do the most basic of uh, cutting and editing jobs and then fighting with YouTube uh, to actually accept my meager content. It's been uh, a thrill ride, the the likes of which uh, you normally have to like rent Steve McQueen movies to, to appreciate, you know? So Premiere is the video editing? Yes, for the for the Adobe Creative Suite, yeah, fine Adobe line of products. And I don't really want to sound, you know, like the pretentious Apple snob because I really am not really a pretentious Apple's. That kind of almost sounded bad. Uh, (laughs) But if you buy uh, if you buy a a nice little Mac Mini, um, iMovie comes with it, and it works pretty nice. Uh, You know, I I I hear you. And I I don't disagree, but at this point, I have so much sweat equity in on the Adobe fine line <laughs> of creative products that it's uh, it's that need to finish it. Uh, like when you when you get two thirds through with a book and you're like, I'm not enjoying this. I hate this book. I'm, it's terrible. But you have to keep reading because somewhere you think there's going to be one page where I turn. And and it's going to suddenly be good, and everything that I've done will be worth it, and mm. and that's how I am with the Adobe Creative Suite, you know. Uh, well, it's kind of like the was it the mission where this guy committed this grievous sin against God, yes. Yes. and so then he took his armor and he dragged it across the uh, jungle. That's right. Yep. That's yeah. That that is that that is a, the perfect <laughs> visual metaphor for Adobe Creative Suite. Uh, Seventy pounds of metal that you have to drag through a hot, festering jungle. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I occasionally have to deal with. Uh, it's not worth going into detail. I occasionally have to deal with InDesign, and I really don't like InDesign. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does some things better than uh, Publisher, but my goodness, I do not enjoy that at all. I know, I know, and and the only and I the only reason I have a leg up on InDesign is because it used to be called PageMaker. And I actually, yeah. I actually knew PageMaker really well, and so I, there, there, I just had to basically relearn some of the new, uh, clever vocabulary that Adobe likes to use for their, um, 
for their uh, abs for their things. You know, um, my, my favorite one that I learned this uh, for InDesign was our, our Premiere Pro was Razor. Anybody else would would um, would would have an editing suite that uses uh, that that's got a cut or it's got a trim or something like that, that, that is, is something that makes sense. And the razor blade, I get what you're doing there because razor blade is how we cut film, but that when's the last time anybody's cut film with razor blades. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've done it <laughs> because I'm over 50, but yeah. you know, who knows? Yeah. It's anyways. Uh, we're here now, and that's all that matters. Yes, it is. And uh, you and I both have Kickstarters. I think I've got six or five or that many more days to go. I think you still have a little bit longer. Yeah, I've got uh, just under two weeks, and uh, I'm at that part of the Kickstarter where I'm halfway there, and I'm questioning every single decision I've made. <laughs> <laughs> But I just I just did an update. Uh, the, the reason why I was doing all the premiere stuff was that I um, uh, posted a playtest session that uh, I ran uh, last year with uh, Bill Willingham and uh, Bill Williams and Brad Tomty. Uh, they they playtested in my campaign along with some other people as well. But I, and I actually I got a great blurb from Jack. Um, Herman as well, but I, I, I edited all four of those. Uh, uh, it's one session. I cut it into four manageable chunks. And so if you like watching live play, this is a really good example of a polite society game, you know, how it comes together. There's me putting best practices in, um, at one point Bill says, now, do I need to roll for that cast? And I'm like, we're not going to roll for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, which, so it's exactly everything that I'm talking about in the zine. So it's a really good example. And I've updated the page to show it. So anyways, if you haven't looked at it yet, or if you're curious, that's, that's there right now. No, and very if you good. haven't checked out Jeff's uh, <laughs> zine, you really should. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I just got Fane of the Fly got in today. He did. Yeah. I was so excited. Your, your comic book roots are showing on the cover though man yeah yeah the the true that there is a um the the true inspiration that the true like first seed is a i believe is is almost eerie or creepy where it shows us this fly-headed guy holding this scantily clad woman i has burned my youth as an adolescence for yeah. for probably multiple reasons and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, yes. Thank you, Warren. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> man. You're, yeah. You're doing the. You stood in the gap where nobody was there to stand. So provide uh, all those exactly covers. It. <laughs> so, I have. I've since gone back and 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 gathered a lot. A lot of the omnibuses. Omnibus is omnibus? the bottle for omnibus. Is it omnibuy? I think it, it probably, is. It, no, it probably isn't. It's probably um, omnibuses. I've grabbed several of those uh, from the black and white era, both the Warren and the Curtis uh, era stuff. And I've even gone and gotten some of the overseas UK things. Uh, and, and boy, I just, cause I, you couldn't always get those. I could, I could find comics by going to different drugstores and convenience stores as a kid, but 
the the convenience stores didn't carry the magazines, and the drugstore <laughs> might have had uh, Savage Sword of Conan, but they didn't have any of the other ones. And so those were real treasure items for me when I ran across a creepy or an eerie oh, yeah. or famous monsters. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, those were the days. I took yeah. one look at the cover and I was like, oh, Jeff, that's so cool, man. All right. It felt, it felt like a little love note. Well, I get it, buddy. What well, was also nice is my, my daughter, she did the layout for the cover. Hmm. And so I, I will say that, yeah, so that was all her. Um, and obviously the, 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 the actual subject of the, was the, was a, uh, illustrated by, by Dell, uh, yeah. Tigler and, uh, no, it all came together. So it's, it was it's, great. Uh, yes. Yeah. Good it, job. Was, it was, it was, yeah, it's, it's the, the, you know, the, the, the proverb or something about, you know, you know, once a woman has a baby, you can't forget about the birthing pains after, you know, you've got the child in the arms, but it's like, you know, it was definitely. So I'm not going to compare my sufferings to <laughs> that of a woman going through labor, no, you, but you metaphorically can't, speaking, you can't, but, <laughs> but, but there is that period with yeah. every creative process. And I don't care what it is. If it's a, if it's a, a song or a poem or a zine or a comic or a book or a story, there is a, there comes a point where it's been in your head so long that you are sick of it, just sick of it. And that is almost inevitably when people go, I've got to, I've got to work on this project and, and they do it to get it out of their head. And, and as soon as they get it out of their head, or actually it's not when it, when they finish it, it's when it comes back in finished form, whether it's a, you know, like, like if you open up the box and there's your zine with the cover all shiny or matte, you know, if you're using mix yeah. and everything and you look through it and you forget about what a pain in the ass it was. <laughs> it, it, there's something about seeing the finished product that immediately it's, it, it's not the same as childbirth, but it's, it's like people say, yeah. you know, I fell in love with my child. As soon as I held her in my arms, <laughs> I feel the same way about gobsmack, buddy. Yeah. I feel the same way about gobsmack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I also be remiss not to mention uh, brother Levi's uh, yes. dungeon malarkey. Yes. So very excited. I've backed it. Uh it's funded, but you should absolutely check out Dungeon Malarkey if you have you need a lot of malarkey for your dungeons if you don't have you, enough malarkey on your own. Yes. And and Levi gets it. He's got gonzo sensibilities and he's also a big sword and sorcery fan. So you can expect a lot of that kind of stuff in his in his work in general. Oh, very nice. I like what you did there. You're a pro, Mark. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, the subject tonight is uh, as you can tell from the title of the of the episode even though i haven't titled this episode yet we're going to talk about sword and sorcery yes throw the horns up guys yeah i'm, I'm still impressed i'm still impressed with that what do you call that it's not a bridge what is the transition it's a what do you call that where you you state something that's going to bridge to to flip over to the next subject Oh, I, I, yeah, it's just a transition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Segue. I need to will. take notes. <laughs> I should have been taking notes. So. I'm just, I'm just excited that we're, I'm finally going to get to flex my Robert E. Howard muscle. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm stoked about this. This is going to be cool, man. 
I'm not um, going to ask which muscle that is. <laughs> it's, it's not the one you think. It's not okay. the one you think. Okay. <laughs> so, Could have yeah, gotten we both, we've all both going through uh, a number of things, uh, both good and bad. Well, I'll say bad. I'm not going to think uh, it's really bad, but, um, you know, rather than just, you know, talk more about business, let's talk about something fun that uh, yes. we both enjoy. But I think, I'm a long time fan of it, but I think I, I don't think I've reflected a whole lot. So I think what I'd like to do is just is just kind of explore it through your thoughts on certain sorts. So like, I guess what would you define as sword and sorcery? Right. Like what what are the elements? Let's say what are the elements it should have or maybe even must have? The yeah, uh, you know, and, and uh, this is going to come down extremely Howardian for reasons which will be very apparent. You know, um, I think you need certain elements in place. You, you need a quasi-historical setting. Um, it can be, um, it, it, and and that setting should be. I'm going to use this word. Um, and then I'm going to explain it. it should be Gothic. In other words, the world should be old. Okay. It shouldn't, it shouldn't wear pink, white makeup and black fingernails. When I say Gothic, I mean, Gothic in the traditional sense of the word, which is, a, which is having a, having a, an overall feeling of antiquity, you know, oh, like uh, goths and viscous, you're not going back that as far. in, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in black Colossus, Shivatis the thief, um, is breaking into the, the tomb, uh, to awaken the, the sundered one, you know, and, uh, that tomb is old when he's there. And of course we're reading about Shivatis ostensibly 12 to 14, you know, thousand years in the past, our past. So, uh, so there's there, there's a sense of antiquity, and 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 a sense of um, the unknowable to go with it. I think you need um, you need low or uh, unreliable magic, uh, or or dangerous magic. There should be magic with a cost associated to it, and I think you need protagonists that are. They can, they can, they can be um, exemplary versions of who they are, but they are not supernatural themselves. They are. We we have to relate to them as as real people. Yeah, it's um, like because like Conan, he would get knocked out. Right. He would get uh, exhausted. He would, I think, even be afraid. He would run. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he knew when to cut and run. Yeah. He knew when to uh, hold him. He knew when to fold him. He knew when to walk uh -huh. away. And he knew That's when to right. run. <laughs> and, and so when you look at the, the predecessors to sword and sorcery, you know, we, we obviously are talking about Robert E. Harris Conan uh, and, and, and the other characters and King Cull and so, and so on and so forth. Um, we're talking about Fawford and Grey Mouser who are normal people who have to deal with extraordinary things, you know, uh, imposing their will on them. Uh, we're talking about Elric, who, you know, requires 
you know, medicine just a function, <laughs> you know, I mean, um, so yeah. And, and then there's others as well, you know, um, uh, Carla Wagner's cane is, a, is one of my favorite examples. A lot of people don't, uh, know about, uh, Wagner and I'm not sure why that is. Um, I think he was one of the last words in sword and sorcery, frankly, and his cane character, it, the, the illusion is that Cain was the biblical version of, of Cain and his curse for killing his, um, his brother was, was to wander the earth. And so Cain pops up as an immortal. He's, and, and the thing is, is he can't die a violent death. That's the, that's the deal. He, you know, so he, he pops up in different time periods and epochs. And always what he does is out of a sense of just sheer boredom. Like he's, you know, why not, why not take over a kingdom with a dark army that I've raised from, you know, the, the swamps. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. You know, um, even, and, and another good example is Druss, um, David Gimmel's character Druss. The first book he wrote was legend and it's Druss at the end of his career. And it's very easy to read Druss as a Conan type of character, a character who ascended to kinghood. And then, you know, basically when they, when they find him, he's in a cave sort of waiting to die. And they convince him to come back and do this very uh, ceremonial thing for them. And, and Druss decides, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to go out in the cave. I'm going to go out the way I want to go out. And so the whole, the, the first book legend is, is him. It's, it's, it's one of the best sword and sorcery books uh, that you can read. It's, it's fantastic. Um, they were going to use it as the basis for the third Schwarzenegger Conan movie, which would have been perfect. Perfect. I tell you, um, and then of course you need, you need a horror element. You need, you need the supernatural and you need a, you need a supernatural that is preferably alien and eldritch and uncaring, but not necessarily. You can, you know, Cain, Cain fought regular werewolves and Conan fought, you know, Tar Tarzan fought vampires, Solomon Cain fought vampires, you know, so the, the, it's okay if it's traditional supernatural type shenanigans, but um, there's, there should always be greater stakes. And in, in, in this hostile environment, the final ingredient, which no one ever really does ta or talks about is, uh, politics. Sometimes the worst monsters in the stories are the humans and the way that they treat other people. Uh, and that, th that throws back to a lot of old Testament stuff too. But, but I think that the good sword and sorcery stories have a political component to them that at first blush, you don't think is present in things like Conan because your concept of Conan has been pop culture Conan, right? It's been sword and uh, the savage sword of Conan, which is a fantastic uh, magazine, but maybe doesn't hit the, you know, it gets the high notes. It doesn't get, you know, the the nuance uh arnold schwarzenegger in, in conan the barbarian one of the one of the most public and face forward conans you can get 
there's the only politics is that King Osric hires him to get his daughter back. There's no politics to, to that. Um, and so uh, I, I think having some of that in there, that's part of the mix. And then, and then after that, it's just a question of ratios, right? To what extent are all of these things going to be present in a given thing? It, it also and can seems you to me, not that I've been widely read, but it seems like even with Conan, that there were other things going on outside of like what he was doing. Like there was a whole world in activities, maybe wars in the background, but I mean, it was not just in, sometimes he engaged in those things or sometimes they affect him in some way, but it seems. Oh like yeah. Yeah. There's a, in the, there's a point, uh, kind of, I want to say it's not quite at the halfway mark because he takes a break, uh, in the Conan stories to catch so that weird tales can catch up and maybe pay him some money and he goes and writes some other stuff and then comes back. Um, but there's a point in the series where we go from reading Conan over his shoulder, right? As we watch him struggle with civilization as a thief and we watch him navigate, you know, the waters as a pirate or a mercenary. And then we, there's a point at which Conan walks into the room and they go, Oh God, it's Conan. Because now they've heard of him. He becomes a, he becomes not only somebody that, that, um, that takes up the room with, with who he is, his own legend, but he also becomes, well, he's always been actually, even from the get go, an agent of change, right? He's the catalyst for why things happen. And, um, and, and and so yeah, there's there, there's more than one Conan story. Uh, there's several that that are deeply politically layered with why they're doing what they're doing and how Conan just messed it up, right. <laughs> or how they want Conan to go do a thing and he says, "Nah, you guys are terrible. I'm going to do something else." Yeah. And that and and it, and some of the one one of my favorite ones. Sometimes it's just editorializing. It's Howard waxing uh poetic on you know um what he what he feels about carpetbaggers you know you can um in the scarlet uh citadel you know they they capture the king conan and kick him off his throne and give him a chance to sign everything over and he absolutely lays into them while captured about uh how they're useless uh, they're, they're living off of basically the deeds that they're, that they're for, that their fathers did and better. And, you know, he, and he ends the whole little diatribe with, uh, free my hands. I don't need a sword. I'll varnish this floor with your brains. <laughs> no. And they go, okay, into the dungeon. He's not going to be any help. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, the, the, the actual Conan stories, not the comics, although the early comics did have it, but, but the, the Robert E. Howard source material uh, is, is a lot more uh, nuanced and, and has more layers and depth than, than a lot of people think. And that's the sort of the curse of the pop culture. It's like reading pop culture. Uh, it's like reading Tarzan and then watching Johnny Weissmuller. You know, you, you, you watch Johnny Weissmuller and, you know, uh, basically be a, a, a Neanderthal. And then you read the first Tarzan story and he speaks French and, 
you know, um, it integrates back into society and, oh man, you know, yeah. Uh, pop culture is rough. <laughs> uh, it only, it only wants the, the thumbnail sketch, uh, whether we're talking about Dracula or Sherlock Holmes or. Yeah. Conan I think it all Sh- works out in the end. I mean, even with, with, with Stephen King and various others, it's just like, there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, obviously they make it for the masses, but it's always right. there to draw people into the source material if they want. Yeah. I, we hope. Yeah. I mean, I would love, I, I, like to think well i i know i know that the comics have done that over the years uh and i'm very proud of dark horse and the new marvel for including introductions in the collections and and um kurt music and later tim truman were both very kind to ask them to let me write um afterwards talking about the actual fiction and stuff. And, uh, and I, and I have met people over the years that said, I got into the books because I was reading the stuff that you wrote. I had no idea that he was friends with HP Lovecraft or whatever. And so that's, that's been really gratifying to know that, you know, maybe not everybody, but, but yeah, you, you, you hope that the pop culture leads you back to the source. I know being over 50, it did for me. I don't know if the younger generations have done that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting because with the, you may be right. It's hard to say because there's been video games. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And YouTube videos, you know, you can get, you can get the, the history of Captain America in an eight minute video. Uh by a guy, you know, standing, you know, in a, in, on a set and going, you guys, I had no idea he was this cool. Did you know he was invented in 1940? Yes. Yes, doofus. I did know that because, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's, but that's the, that's the take of it now, you know? Uh, I knew I was old the day I was having a conversation with my staff about Raiders of the Lost Ark and I, I turned to one of them and I said, I said, now, Tori, you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, haven't you? And she said, wait, that's that classic movie, right? And I said, I'm going to ignore the fact that you used classic as if it was old. But yes, it's that classic movie. And she said, I've seen clips. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Clips. Uh, How do you, how do you, why do you watch a clip of anything and go, wow, this was a fantastic movie on my phone? That's yeah, so I think also I think in, gen- in a lot of old movies, um, some hold up still, some don't, and the definitely the pacing. I think the same thing with comic books. It's like the pacing sensibilities have changed yeah. too. They have, that's they have. They've gotten faster, but and I like the fact there is now there is a renaissance sort of taking place right now. Let's not call it a renaissance. That's ambitious let's call it a movement there is a a group of authors right now who are uh doing what they're what they're calling new sword and sorcery and it's an attempt to get back to basics so is that this okay not to so you know i can see what other people that are friends of mine that i've linked to on kickstarter have liked yeah. Is this tied to there's a recent magazine that's coming out 
Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you about that. There's a, there's a couple of uh, magazines coming back out. Uh, Sword and Sorcery is kind of on an uptick right now. Um, I'm real excited, you know. Um, uh, Scott Oden is a, um, an author friend of mine that's done uh, a lot of work. Um, his the his big one uh, was a um, uh, Men of Bronze, a uh, fantastic book. Um, Howard Andrew Jones is another one. He's the uh, co-editor on uh, Tales from a Magician's Skull. So that's interesting because um, I've I've picked up Tales of Magician's Skull. It's two issues due to a humble bundle, right? But I find that some we talk about what defines sword and sorcery. One I had to stop mm-hmm. because in the beginning he goes to visit this 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 uh, this magician's uh, apprentice. And he's bringing somebody talking about wants to know how many charges they're in it are in the, and it's like, I'd like, I'm done. You, well, yeah, <laughs> but there's others. It's like, this is amazing. This is amazing. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. But occasionally there's stuff that's just like, this feels like a D and D adventure. It just doesn't. Right. Uh... Um, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention um, heroic fantasy quarterly, which has been going for a while now. Um, and they're free uh online uh and he's uh adrian's done three best of collections uh off of the off of the material that he's run as a as a quarterly magazine online um and he's for a while he and uh doug dre on weird book were the only guys kind of holding the fort down but jonathan mayberry has picked up uh weird tales and the first uh, issue that he did was the sword and sorcery issue, you know, and, um, Milton J Davis is doing sword and soul right now. He's, uh, he's kind of picked up. You said sword and soul, sword and soul. Yeah. He, the, um, Charles Saunders, uh, the guy that wrote the Amaro, uh, stories. And that's another thing I just want to ask you about. Go ahead. Um, Well, you know, he, his, uh, he wrote them as a response basically to, um, you know, sort of the, the, let's call it, I'm going to call it institutional racism in Howard's and others works. You know, he didn't, he loved sword and sorcery and, and loved the imagination and didn't necessarily see himself in those stories. And, you know, um, Howard was working with concepts that are now widely discredited, but he was basically coming at things uh, from an anthropological, archaeological point of view. Uh, He was trying to use uh, theosophy to sort of... um, Oh, infused with theosophy. Boy, you're going to... (laughs) Yeah, if you you look at his stuff, you know, he's, he's basically put this stuff... Uh, call in particular in the Thurian age, you know, this, this fourth age. And so, um, you know, it's, it's all, it's all weird stuff. And of course now it's been not, you know, the, the, the anthropology and the archeology span stuff has been discredited or maybe are, you know, moved aside for more uh, cogent and relevant theories. The theosophy has, has always been fringe, but it, it's now, I, I think mostly forgotten. So, you know, when L. Sprague de Camp says, you know, Howard built his world with careless haste, he's talking out of his ass uh, and has no idea what he's talking about because he never bothered to, to 
pay any attention to it. But nevertheless, it, Charles Saunders uh, wrote Afrocentric yeah. uh, sword and sorcery stories. Uh, and um, Milton J. Davis has sort of picked up that standard uh, and has carried on that tradition. And um, uh, and he's doing a lot of publishing to sort of encourage, uh, you know, these these sort of subgenres uh to kind of give a voice to you know something that that had never really had an outlet before um so it, there there's a lot happening in the sword and sorcery field right now and um i hate the fact that, it, that there the, the here's the thing if you're interested in tomorrow i recommend those books unreservedly there's not currently an edition in print but before uh charles passed away a few years ago um, all of his stuff came back out in print. And so you can find used copies of Amaro pretty easily right now. And they're not, you know, that expensive. So, so what uh, did, you, so like for the background, like what, what was the structure for, you know, where it seems like with Conan, you know, it, it was a series of, you know, you know, the, the, the not, uh, yeah. um, Rome or not Scythia or not, uh, you know, whatever. It's just like, they're all, parallels with like almost every classic western civilization at its peak right all existing at the same time right and 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 imaro reframes it using mythic africa okay you know as its sort of starting point you know um i you know i it's sort of like um i you know i i i I don't want to use, I don't want to say Wakanda out loud because it's sort of, um, it, it takes you in a different place thanks to the movies. But this notion, you know, that, that Africa has civilizations as well is something that maybe not a lot of long haired, dope smoking hippies in the 70s who were reading Michael Moorcock knew about. Right. <laughs> And so th that was where Saunders sort of came from with, with that. And, um, uh, and, and a great author, you know, these have move and, and they're, they're really good. They're well done. Um, they're, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, there's a lot of old sword and sorcery still out there, but there really is only a handful of it that is sort of worth chasing down. And you know, these names already. Um, in fact, um, it's so funny that you um, brought this topic up because just today I got uh, the new saga volumes of um, Moorcock's Elric in the mail. Um, they're, they've got illustrations in them. Basically, it's sort of like a greatest hits. But, um, you know, Elric hasn't been out of print since they started. And, and with good reason, you know. Uh, but I, I'm glad to see that the field is expanding and that new people are coming in. I'm excited. Uh, Howard Andrew Jones is uh, really good. Um, his um, he's a Harold Lamb scholar. Um, Harold Lamb was one of Howard's um, influences. He wrote primarily in Adventure magazine, and Lamb wrote historical fiction uh sort really kind of in the same time periods that that Howard really liked he had uh 
a number of different series that he that he that he ran. And uh, a few years back, Bison, uh, which is I think Utah University of Utah Press, I want to say it was it's an imprint. Bison Books put out an eight volume series of Harold Lamb books. And Howard Jones was the series editor on all of those. And so we put them together, put them in order, grouped them by, by theme. And uh, they are uh, just wonderful reading. I, yeah, I have to take breaks in between them, you know, cause it's a lot, right. but, but they're, but they're great. And, and he's doing really good stuff. I think he's doing stuff that sort of fits on the sort of um, Fritz Liber spectrum, you know, uh, sort of things, um, uh, uh, stylistically. Um, and, and that's uh, something I've never delved into the, the Lankmar, um, stuff. Dude. Oh my. Uh, I think you've really, I think you'd really like it. Um, well, see, I don't know why <clears throat> my reading has gone down like considerably over the last couple of decades, but mm-hmm. I still don't know why my youth that's never, there was never an intersection there. I don't know yeah. why. The the ones that I first read were it was a six volume series, Swords and Deviltry, Swords and Ice Magic. They had um Jeff Jones covers. Uh not you, the other I one. know. <laughs> and <do> uh <laughs> they were uh they were they looked like all of the other sword and sorcery things at the time, you know, they um uh, if you if you go find the old copies, they're very distinctive. They all had sort of a uniform trade dress, and I just I just loved them, you know. Um, especially because, you know, Ken Kelly was doing a bunch of covers. Uh, Jeff Jones had been doing covers for um, uh, for fiction titles, uh, fantasy and science fiction, and sword and sorcery for all through the seventies and eighties. And so I, you know, for me at the bookstore going, I've got all the Conans. What now, you know, those stuck out like a sore thumb. And so, and then of course, uh, I was using appendix in like a checklist. Right. Um, and, and he's on there, uh, depending on both appendices, whichever one you want to refer to. So, um, yeah, they were great. Um, I I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, it's and it's it's a primary element for all the stuff I've been working on for all this time. You know, it's it's town based adventures. And so, do they keep the same? I'd say I know they're not going to use the the Hyborian that you know Boria that that, uh, that Howard used. But I right. guess the question is: Are are they still following that same line, or or is the background? Are they trying to do? different things with it or is that really not a are you talking about sword and sorcery in general or yeah well they, they, you're naming a bunch of artists or, or artists <laughs> been dealing with artists uh no dealing with writers do yeah. they do they you know i know that like with you know obviously with some conan stories there you know the location even though you may kind of know it, it's it's not as important as other times or yeah more important but he was definitely building up a world um, yes. I'm sure these other people are too, but is it, is their world still like you mentioned the, uh, is it, it wasn't a Mayo, a Mago, I tried to pronounce it. Um, oh, Amaro. Yeah. Amaro, you know, you're saying it was more Afrocentric drawing mm-hmm. on African, 
lore in history and, and through that lens. I guess some of these other um, sword and sorcery are, um, um, writers, are they, are they doing like similar things like as far as the historical, quasi-historical, or are they shaping things differently? I th I think it's it's a case by case basis, frankly. You know, um, right now Scott Odin is working on um, a, um, a a book set in the war set in Howard in in Conan's timeline, but it's not about Conan. It's about Shivatas the thief before Shivatas dies <laughs> in the tomb uh, at the beginning of Black Colossus. It's how he become. You know, it's like him as the master thief doing master thief stuff, you know? Uh, and so, um, uh, yeah, everybody's got, got their own angle. I think, uh, I frankly think that's one of the hardest elements of sword and sorcery to sort of, um, it, from a creationist point of view, sort to sort of deal with, you know, uh, another dying earth. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> You know, um, right. uh, it, it's, you know, it is tough. And so, but I think you can use, I think you can also treat sword and sorcery as a sensibility. Um, so, you know, if you want to squint at um, Westeros, um, I would say it's got a heavy, heavy, uh, sword and sorcery component. Of course, uh, George is a Howard fan. So, I mean, I think that's part of it anyways. But, you know, the magic there is sparse and complicated. Um, and it's mostly them dealing with the, the humans being monstrous, you know? Yeah. Uh, so so there, I think you can have that in there. Uh, I, I, you probably saw me talking about it. One of my favorite things of the last few years was the show on Amazon called Wayne. Um, it's a, it's a, they've only got one season of it right now. Uh, and it's about a 15, 16 year old kid who decides to uh, go on a road trip to recover um, the, the car that was stolen from his father. And it's the most sword and sorcery slash Conan uh, thing I've seen in a modern day setting ever. And then, and, and, and he, he mentions Conan all through the, you know, he's, you see him reading Conan comics and uh, you know, who do you admire Conan? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Ooh, just like him, you know, but, but, but he, he acts, he keeps his own, Council, he's got a moral compass that's very sharply delineated. And so, you know, he does not, he does not uh, tolerate bullies. He does not tolerate, you know, people being mean for meanness sake. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to see these sort of character tropes that you, you associate with, you know, the beast master, right? <laughs> to see them in the modern day. You know, with with this kid Wayne riding a motorcycle instead of a horse, 
ah, it's fascinating. It's really, really good. So I, I think there's a, there's an aesthetic that you can apply in a lot of different ways. Sometimes I think the world is the least interesting part of it, even though I know a lot of people. Well, I think it kind of informs, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, and I think too, it's like, I think if done right, and this is what's hard. And I think that's, what's hard too. It's like, I think playing, even though we're still doing medieval European culture is wrong. We kind of get medieval European cultures, but like, you know, do I, do I, um, but do I know how to play like a, you know, a ninth century more? I, I don't. Right. You know, right. And, and, and so I think, you know, that's where I, I think it becomes, and to me, a lot of this stuff is interesting. It's just yeah. that you don't know like how, and I enjoy role playing. I enjoy, I enjoy at conventions getting a random character and I enjoy getting in weird situations and trying to figure out as a character, how would I act? Right. And I think with the proper, um, I think with the proper guidance, I think it, the world could be very interesting if you're going to be, you know, from whatever fictional, not whatever nation. Uh, but the problem is, especially if all the games are hack and slash and we, we really don't understand religions, we don't understand customs, we don't understand all those things that could make it very interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if you go back to sort of like really old D&D, you know, um, pre-cleric, you, you get more sword and sorcery out of that just in terms of, you know, like sensibilities, like the Blackmore stuff. Um, in gaming, you know, gaming is, uh, gaming is, is an interesting it's it's neither fish nor fowl because even though and i know there's probably some 25 year olds who would disagree with this the roots of gaming are books i mean as soon as they figured out you know hey we could do the battle of helms deep with these napoleonic skirmish rules you know they right. they didn't have anything else to pull from so it was all token and Howard and you know all that stuff, but when you game, there's some conceits in play that you sort of have to sort of hand wave, overlook. Um, One of them being is that you know sword and sorcery is typically one to two people protagonists against vast uh, forces. Uh, greater than them, whether it's an army or a, a tentacle thingy or the kingdom of Sklar or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it's usually a couple, it's, it's usually one lone, uh, you know, antagonist or two, two antagonists versus that. Well, in gaming, you sometimes have a group of six people. Right. Exactly. So, you know, that alone right there kind of, kind of skews it. And so, I think that the best um, you can sort of do for any kind of re- recreation in terms of, of gaming, it's it's a it's a pastiche. You're 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 taking elements. You're taking uh, you're taking the high points. You're you're pop culturizing the genre 
to make it playable in a in a in a setting um there's not a lot of examples i have uh, i can think of the, the thing that first came to mind was it, it not a sword and sorcery thing but but a western have you seen silverado uh i did when it came out like <laughs> 30 yeah. years ago it's <laughs> to remember it's anything about it it's well it's it's one of my favorite westerns because it's not a western it's every western <laughs> right silverado and 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 people will if you there's i some people online talk about uh and also it's back in the blog days when that's how all the grognards were talking more than one person brought up silverado as this amazing example of a campaign, right? Oh, it's just great. You got these four guys with, you know, uh, dissimilar backstories, but they've all got kind of one or two things in common. And they, you know, they find each other on the road and band together. And, you know, they like star Wars. uh... Yeah. Yeah. They've all got it. Yeah. They've all got to defeat sort of their little, their (laughs) bad guy elements, you know? Yeah. Um, But it's not what, what's significant about it is, if you look at it, it's almost a top coat gloss over of most of the of the popular uh, conventions of the Western genre in one place. Uh, and what was cool about it was that you know no one's ever done that before. You know, there, you you, the, the, you can look at it as almost like a uh, a primer. You know, it, 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 if you've never watched a Western before, watch Silverado. it's almost a crash course. So that to me is what gaming is like when you're talking about uh, recreating a historical time period or doing sword and sorcery, you're going to hit the high notes and, and the efficacy of your game depends entirely on which notes you pick to hit. So the thing I had intended, there's a project that I had that never saw the light of day, and I thought I had somebody light up, lined up to write it, uh, but it just didn't work out, which is fine. Well, I was planning on doing um, his, historical eras and places, uh, but aimed at informing GMs and players as far as the cultures of that time and place. Oh, cool. And so you could read, and maybe the zine would be, Maybe say it'd be 24 pages or maybe 30 pages, but you could say, okay, you know, like what does it mean to be, let's say, like, let's say in Athens, you know, like third century BC Athens, what, yeah, what, yeah. what did it really mean? What is a good man? What is a nobleman? What were the ideals? You know, what was the politics like? What were their views on different things? You know, where are their weapons? You know, how were their views on, on slaves and, and people? And it's just like, if you could just have like a, and not everything would be strictly gameable, but kind of flip through and say, okay, now I kind of understand what it would be to be a, a Roman or a, a <laughs> Athenian uh, citizen. Right. Or even an Athenian uh, landowner owner, but you could kind of play along with those things and then give characters an opportunity. Like, you know, what are the things that are considered honorable and, and, and what things aren't and then cause their sensibilities change, you know, my son was even, we were talking about that is we had, he approached me with the question, you know, what's, what's a good, you know, what's, what's your idea of, uh, what's your definition of a good citizen? 
and I they said, you know, you know, my my definition would be, you know, doing right for the community. Yeah. But his thought was, would it be about obedience to laws? And I said, well, it depends what you did, how you define civis. But then we kind of were talking about morality later on, and I was like, yeah. you know, even it changes what what is considered those things that we uphold. Like some cultures, they will they will give you anything they have, right? But if you sit at the table, you sit according to a certain pecking order, and they yeah. will be heavily offended if they're put in the wrong spot. Right. We don't care a rip about that. We're all kind of democratic, you know, but yet we, we cling to our stuff. Sure. <laughs> they would give their last chicken for dinner, but they're going to make sure they sit the right spot. And so our, our, we're, we're flipped around, you know what I mean? It's, right. just, it's kind of interesting, but, you know, what does that mean? What does it mean to be, you know, you know, even from the, the uh, you know, an Aquilonian or, or whatever it may be. Uh, I or, think you could gain that. I think that sounds fascinating. I, that sounds that sounds really really cool, man. Uh, yeah, each issue is a different uh, culture, and you know, it's, and you you include you know, it, it would have to be succinct, right? Yes, because you would need to include. You want the culture stuff in there. You want to be able to talk about those like character types and things like that. But, you know, talking about a, a little timeline on this, on this culture, showing the flashpoints. Yes. Is what, is, Cause it's those flashpoints, those clashes of other cultures that sword and sorcery is largely, I think, interested in. And so, yeah, dude, that's a, that's a great idea. Uh, yeah, I mean it's sort of like a cross. It's sort of like a cross between um, the Osprey books and uh, the Monster Manual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's yes. I think yeah, totally. Yeah, that's 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 right. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. So that's one of my. Tell <laughs> we talked about. I forgot about that. That's that just it. Just it. It was an. It just. I thought I had somebody lie, but it just didn't work out. And right. um, and I and to do that right, you need somebody that's got the a background for that, or someone willing to research, someone willing to do the legwork to look up the things that you want them to highlight in your, you know, like a college librarian that was on my last episode. Uh, yes, Je well, Jess is. You got a Jess and I are, are old friends, and you have to know his his brain. He ain't like the rest of us, and I mean that in the nicest of ways. I, however erudite you think I am, I I, I shut up when Jess is in the room because because he's always you know there was a thing in a Russian pulp I read uh, from the turn of the century about and he goes into this little mini essay about like what he found and it's just like you've got to be joking and Jess just holds that stuff in his head. He just keeps it in there like a giant collective. Uh, I honestly think he's got more brain than he has forehead. I think, I think his brain is squished. And if he, if his brain is like a TARDIS. Yes. It, it, his brain is so much bigger on the inside. It's it, it goes to another dimension. It, it really does. He's, it he's, skulls he's like a bag of up. holding. It holds an immense amount of brains. 
<laughs> I I was so excited for his Viking game. I don't think it's going to hit in no, its goal. It's not. But but uh, I love what he came up with, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. You know, it's all it's all the new research, and not even new. It's, I'm going to call it recent. Um, but it's stripped of all the pop culture Viking stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We, yeah. So. We, a little of that would, would go a long way, and and you can and you could do it in a way I think that's respectful, but also you know accurate, right? I yeah, because I because I think the thing too, it's like even with this stuff is like like women's roles. You could say traditionally this is how it was. This is one way you can get around it, or you could just ignore it altogether. Yeah, and and that was back in the day. Back when we rode dinosaurs to the comic shop, yeah. both ways, that playing Call of Cthulhu, we did that. I yeah. had, I had women and I had people of color in my uh, pulp games, and the way we handled it was, we're just not going to handle it. We're, we're, just, we're here to have fun. We're not here yeah. to do it. But yeah, this isn't somebody, a historical simulation. You're here to, to if crack somebody heads. wanted to. If you said, yeah, if you want to do Harlem Unbound, you say, yeah, no, I really want to explore that. If you that had been that. available back in the day, I would have leapt at it. That yeah. would have been so cool. I would, have, I would have loved to do something like that. Yeah. And I think, I think in some ways, if the table's wanting to, I think role-playing games are very much a, a good way of teach. Like, you know, I can imagine playing, just playing Call of Cthulhu with a person of color running the GM and you're playing characters of color you know, in the middle of, you know, Chicago, I mean, yeah. that could be, that could be an education. It's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, and I, uh, I don't think anything should be off limits uh, at the table, but I think you, I think it requires a deft hand to sort of know what you can introduce and how. Right. No, you exactly. One is you don't want to, it's, it's one thing to play certain types of characters. It's another thing to play them in a way that's disrespectful. Right. And so it's, but I think though the idea is sometimes by playing, like for instance, I, I mentioned before, I, I played a, an African-American in a Villains and Vigilantes game in, um, in, um, at Gamehole Con. Cool. And we got transported back by um, a, a, a drowsite from Star Frontiers became cosmically aware, who who sent who said sent um, who had sent um, uh, Al Capone to Russia <laughs> as an experiment, who got radicalized and came back and was superpowered. And we were there to stop. This guy's genius. I I laugh so hard, but as I, as we're going through this game, I'm like he's going through the virtues of communism and the man and all. I'm thinking like. My character from like the eighties, right? African American being transported back in the twenties or thirties, I should say. And, and then the idea is like, I started thinking like, why would I not? I mean, why? I had, I had to like force myself to, to play along because I'm like, yeah, we should be tearing down society. <laughs> it's like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's and it's it's. It, I would dare say it would be nearly impossible to to find a way to be sympathetic to those outmoded ways of thinking yeah. you know um i mean i can you know 
I have run Nazis before, but I've run you, you run Nazis like cartoon Nazis. They're evil because they're Nazis, right? It's not, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in the nuances of your position, no. uh, Goebbels, you know, <laughs> let's, yeah, exactly. let's just, let's just have you exist for Captain America to hit. <laughs> oh, but, right. Right. And so, I think, yeah. And I think there's, there's definitely opportunities for us to play and to learn. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. No, no, no. That's the, and you know, and, and you can, again, I think, uh, you can educate people about stuff like that, you know? Um, well, I think even just the person, the attempt that the attempt to play somebody different doesn't matter what the different is. Oh, right. The, you can kind of start to think, I think that's where the value is, is if you say I'm in this person in this position, how would I feel? And how would I think, I think allows us to be more empathetic towards people in those. I had a friend of mine who, whenever they played uh, superhero games, always, without fail or exception, played a female superhero. Always played a woman. Nobody cared, <laughs> you know? The, the first time it came up, they were like, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Here, check her out. She's really cool. Okay, and then after that, it was just the thing that he did, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think, and, and again, we're talking about a, a table where everybody knows each other and, you know, you, you know, you can look everybody in the face and know who those people are. That's, I think, important. And I think that's where the industry has sort of come up with a lot of these tools and things uh, in the last, you know, decade and a half to, to, because play has spilled out of living rooms and basements and now it's in game stores and it's at conventions and you never get a say with who you're playing at that in those circumstances and uh and it's very different you and i sitting down to play a game would be very different than you and i running a game at a at a convention you know uh, well, and I think though the thing too that I realized is somebody was explaining a situation um, that had to deal with a death of a person, right? And I think it was not, it, and there's nothing like it, basically a suicide by hanging, yeah. And that was part of the story. And about it, they started talking about this. Um, actually, it was um, it was Tim Shorts. Mm -hmm. And the story was these ghost hunters. I don't know. It, it had it kind of made up this whole story about this person. And and and. Uh, but I was thinking, if I was playing in a game, because I've had a situation where that's happened, right? And like, depending how far it went along, I wouldn't be cool with it. Like, yeah. I don't mind having that be a thing, but like, how far that went, like. I definitely, I could be with people people don't know. I know don't know yeah. that it would bother me. So I think that's where those duels would be good for somebody to say, you know, let's not, if this is going this direction, let's just not. It's just like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, um, only one of the tables I played at GameholeCon <laughs> this past year um, asked about that. And I'm still, I'm 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 in a much better place than when you and I first met uh several years ago. But um I still don't want to play with cancer. 
and I don't want to deal yeah. with it and I yeah. don't want to have to mess with it. Um, and so I, I, I love that idea, even though with, yeah, if I sign up for a call of Cthulhu game, I kind of know what I'm getting into. Right. And, and again, not my first rodeo either, but I, I would welcome and appreciate the chance to say, Hey, let's not, let's not have any like, you know, spousal cancer related things. Yes. I'm, I'm okay with everything. If you want to, you know, hang a kid from a hook, go right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. out, you know, but, but just, just leave mom out of it. You know, there's been enough deathbed cancer scenes to last me a lifetime. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. And I, you know, it, you know, no, and everybody's mentioned. different, you know I mean? Like, you know, but you, you're mentioning this because I will say, you know, that summer uh, theme, we'll just call it theme. I'm much more sensitive to that exact same thing more now right. than I was up until probably, uh, you know, like probably five years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just because more people are dying that way. And I don't know that it would always bother me, but I know in real life dealing with people that are dealing with it, I get sorry getting emotional. Right. Oh yeah. No, I, and, and I, like I said, I feel better, you know, uh, in the, in that time heals all wounds sort of way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you never know where, where anybody is and especially strangers. It's really one of the things I was much slower to get back to going to like conventions and playing it at them because I have had just enough bad experiences with people I don't know playing in games that I made the policy at the age of 17 or 18, I'm only going to play with people I know. (laughs) I'm not going to play with people I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not interested in strangers. I'm not interested in educating anybody about anything. And so, uh, yeah. It's, that, it's that, never, my experience has been the absolute opposite. I, man, I'm glad. I'm, I really, <laughs> I, I am. Cause, cause it sucks. You know, uh, I, the, I, I absolutely love, uh, like you said, you know, I like sitting down and kind of, just dropping in, you know, uh, that's, that's a, a wonderful, fun challenge for me. You know, uh, who am I playing this guy? Okay. What does he do? All right. You know, that's fun. But, um, I, as much, if it's very different than if I were running the game and me running the game and having to put up with somebody, oh. be, you know, or, or, you know, even one of my, I've got a horror story um, and we don't need to go into gamer horror stories, but I just, you know, yeah, there was, there, there was enough that I had to make a, a policy. <laughs> I had enough bad experiences <laughs> that I had to come up with, you know, uh, okay, here are my rules for, for this. And this is why I don't do X, Y, or Z. Well, there was a game old con where we were playing in a, a Vietnam situation and there was one older guy that looked like he was getting close to the crossing the edge of like, this is getting weird and inappropriate. Yeah. But he, he held back and stopped. And then I was listening to Hobbs uh, talk about this guy who's just a terrible person was doing all these things. And I had a picture of this guy. I said, was it this guy? He's like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's oh man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that guy, I'll never forget that guy. That guy. But he never, he, he didn't cross the line, but I don't know what stopped him for our game. But. I think spending four hours skating right next to that line is just as bad. <laughs> you know, it's, 
there's a point at which you almost want him to say, just do the horrible thing you're going to do and stop making me worry about you. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Yeah. It, anytime you're dealing with, yeah. So, but yeah, that was, it was pretty crazy, but yeah, no, I think, and I think going back to, you know, with those characters and I think with all things, it, it, there's a, there's these opportunities. And I think that's why, and different people come to the role playing games for different reasons, but mm-hmm. I think the idea of playing roles playing roles um and he is a is definitely one fun way that can be um also emotionally educational right yeah and yeah, so like oh go ahead oh i just it, it, you know it's i like stepping out of what i would normally play or you know do i know that's not everybody um and i as i've gotten older i've actually gotten more comfortable with with being out of my personal comfort zone if we're if if you were if you were running me in RuneQuest, i'd make the same character i almost always make but there's something about sitting down for a one shot or being at a convention or you know trying to do something else that you know yeah it's it's fascinating and i, and I love it but you most players need some guidelines at least with regards to how the world works and interaction. And one of the takeaways with pop culture Conan and other elements of sword and sorcery is if I don't like something, I'll just run it through with my sword, or at least that's what it appears to be. And so, you know, if you watch the sword and the sorcerer or Beastmaster, it really is just like a series of uh, people trying to get, Dar to do something and Dar sicking an animal on him and then throwing that weird cape of axe doohickey uh, until he gets to Rip Torn. And, and that's, you know, sort of the, all he was trying to do. You need more than that when you're, when you're gaming, especially for a campaign. And so I, I, I that's why I think your, your idea there of, of like the, this, this uh, gazetteer of, of historical sort of environments is kind of the perfect product uh, for, I I don't know how many players would want it, but I know game masters would, would eat it up because, you know, you can, the idea would be, you know, ostensibly you could take the book on Assyrian culture and you could take the book on Aztec culture and you could go, all right, how can, wh- what does this do to make a world? How can I, how can I come can I, well, I can borrow from this and this and, and, and build a unique setting that's neither, neither one of these things, but sort of hopefully greater than the sum of its parts. That's um, the thing too. It's like, you know, what is, what is like religion look like and what does piety look like? Right. Yeah. That's a, uh, you know, that's a tough one. Uh, it's, it's actually, it's not. I think the I think you've got more you've got a bigger hurdle trying to convince a gamer that he can't play a cleric than you do uh setting up a world where the gods don't listen or healing spells are not available. Of course you're going to have means for them to get hit points back, you know? Um it, whether it's a whether it's a mechanic of if you'll just sit down and rest for a day, you get a hit point back, or 
you know, if you eat a meal and sleep for eight hours, you get to roll a D4. Or, you know, go to the apothecary and drink a potion and it tastes like, you know, ass, but now you get a D8 back, you know? So, so it's, that's really the mechanic of what the cleric class does. And so if healing is off the table, you do have to decide what role religion plays and whether or not it's going to be a means of control or if it's going to be something honorable. And, and uh, you know, in Conan's world, uh, there were priests, but, you know, they were just as, I think, I think they were modeled more closely on the, uh, the rabbis uh, in the Old Testament. Right. You know? They consulted their books. They argued at the, in the square. They, they lit incense. They did their sacrifices. And presumably something happened, <laughs> you know? Uh, but uh, I think for gamers who are used to clerics tossing, you know, cure light wounds around and light and banishing undead, you know, that's, uh, that's become a, a sort of a, 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 an expected thing. And if you take it away, then that's what it feels like to gamers, you know? Well, but I think even it, if you think about like the life of a person, you know, most cultures, I'd say most every culture has a, a, the religion plays a large component on everyday life. Of course. And it may just be a matter of, you know, if you just even look at like, I think probably the easiest for us to look at in our culture is to probably look at uh, that very conservative Roman Catholics. Right. You know, you know, right. the crossing, the doing the different things, or even like say with, with uh, Muslims were the washing of hands and the, the spitting. I mean, there's there in the, you know, maybe even the, 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 the praying towards Mecca, right. you know, and even with Hasidic Jews, there's probably think, I mean, there's things that we can kind of look at and kind of get an idea, but you know, there's probably other minor things too. Like, you know, like maybe for if you're playing a, you know, a a say a Muslim character, then you know, praying so many times a day would be the right thing. <clears throat> yeah, and I I don't know that a lot of game masters um, emphasize that as much. Um, I I've, I I like having clerics get occasionally asked to do something before the God will just grant you fourth level spells. Right. I, uh, you know, but, I, but, but you maybe know. beyond just a cleric, just the characters themselves, we think about clerics, but piety spreads to, to everybody. And maybe there is a benefit. You can yeah. play it as a benefit. You do these things and there's a chance that, that, you know, the gods will be favorable towards you. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I th I think that's easily gameable, and I think it I think it would be gameable, sans cleric class, if everybody were on board for it. You know, um, yeah, yeah. That's a that's an interesting uh, setup. You know, um, because what you would have to do is you would have to treat what they people believed as being the way the world worked. That's right. So if, That's right. if, if the world works that, you know, you're that it's, it's miasma that makes you sick. 
and your humors are off and you got to cut your arm and bleed your style, that's it. That's how the world works. You want to cure disease, yeah. you better, you're going to have to lose a hit point of, uh, of, <laughs> of hit points. Right. By bleeding yourself. And that's what I'm saying is you kind of got to look at that world as like, not only what they believe it, that's how the world really works. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you take it at face value and then suddenly, yeah, no, I, I, I think that'd be great. I think that's interesting as hell. I, that'd be a fun thing to play, frankly. So um, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll dust off that now that I know a college librarian that may, uh, that I can throw, I can throw, um, clams at that. You gotta be, you gotta be careful about Jess. Cause he, if, if you're not, cause he will absolutely, uh, go nuts on that. Uh, <laughs> I, he, some of it, he could probably already write out of his head already. Like for example, the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got some stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the other thing, I'm kind of uh, I was trying to keep this short, but of course I know I couldn't. Uh, well, at least I thought I could, but I just deluded myself. I guess the question I would have for you is for sword and sorcery. Yeah. What are, I think too much magic, I think is one way of breaking it. Yes. So what other areas do you think that are boundaries that if it crosses over, it ceases to be sword and sorcery? Okay. Um, I think that I think you want to I think you don't want civilizations in ascension I don't but that's a that's a problem I guess in a snapshot of time it's either neither going up or not going down but you're saying as a background nothing's growing Right, right. Where it's either it's either stayed the same or it's stagnant or it's in decline, because you there's a sense, you know, there's this. I don't think I don't think you need happy. (laughs) I think that's such a sad thing to say, but it's kind of like cyberpunk in a way. It is. It's very. um, I I think I think it's parallel. To what you deal with within cyberpunk, uh, it it it's it's um, yeah, it's 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 not perpendicular, but rather it's a parallel stream. Um, you know, uh, Chaosium's um, Stormbringer, you know, uh, game. The all of the magic was based on you know summoning demons and to get them to do stuff, which is yeah. out of the books. Um, you know, I talked before about the cost of magic. And so I think you could even, you could even have technology, you know, if you, if you basically, if you basically took magic and the corruption of magic, and then you graph that onto cyberpunk with technology and how the more you fit, the more you know, mechanical and the, and the more of your humanity you lose, those, those fit really well together, you know, on the Venn diagram, that's basically one circle. Um, but I think, um, I think you should still have a sense of wonder. I think, I think you, you need, you need stuff that's bigger than, than the player characters, whether it's forgotten, um, civilizations and ruins technological advances that no one knows how they work anymore 
You That's know. the thing I was going to ask you too. Did what, what role what could technology play? But so so basically, I think if I want to say is technology is kind of as long as it fits the same level as magic, it's probably not on the ascendancy. It's it's dark. It's yeah. mysterious. And when it shows up, it, it it has weird effects. And and if we're talking if we're if we're talking uh, fantasy, right? Proper. I I would say that magic is is um is, is you know there's a cost and everything, but I would say technology has it doesn't have the same cost as magic, but it's ten times as expensive. So the only people who have guns are governments. Um because they can afford the metallurgists to manufacture the the weapons and and alchemists to craft the gunpowder you know uh, so you're kind of almost getting and it's been a while i probably sh- shouldn't be trying to make this comparison but are you starting to kind of cross into like hawkmoon territory yeah well yeah totally i mean i think you could um i i think i think that uh, that's all an extension of what Moorcock was doing anyways, you know? So would you say then like Hawkmoon, you wouldn't say that sword and sorcery, would you? Would you say it's just adjacent? Or I'd would say, you say adjacent, it's, yeah. So, but you're saying like they're, they're like, they're two houses next to each other. They're not yes. that far apart. No, and because he's still dealing with eternal champion, you know, law versus chaos kind of stuff, which is, you know, which runs through all of Mike's stuff. And so that's uh, you play that 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 plays out absolutely on the same um, stage as you know half the Conan stories. Um, well, the thing is, we say sword and sorcery. In my mind, you know, I started thinking about the definition. Can you have sword and sorcery without sorcery? And I think the answer you, you can't. It's yeah, no, I don't think you can. Yeah. That doesn't mean that sorcery has to be a part of every story. Totally not. Absolutely. Um, but, but then I think if, if science kind of fits that, that area where it has the feel of sorcery, mm-hmm. I think then it, it, it makes more sense where it's yeah. not just where it is kind of weird. And I think, I, you know, um, Dungeon Crawl Classics uh, Lankmar setting uh, and 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 uh, TSR's Lankmar did this too. I think they all do, but I'm, I'll, I'll use DCC as the example because they currently got. I think they've done a heroic job with with that. Frankly, I think it's wonderful. Uh, they've got tables of corruption, which of course is part of DCC to begin with. But you know the idea that you know. You, the 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 magic has an effect on you, you know. Um, that is that is straight out. Of, I mean, cyberpsychosis, right? Is right. It, they're they're identical. So so Clark's axiom about at a certain level, uh, you know, technology is in, indistinguishable from magic. Well, you could kind of say that in reverse too, can't you? <laughs> um, you know, for sword and sorcery. 
magic is indistinguishable for technology. Well, even like with Lovecraft, you know, I'm not read a lot of Lovecraft stuff, but I think even with the, um, with the, like the, the, uh, the Migo, it's like, you know, brains and jars and weird machines, but it's not like, like we would think technology. It's like stuff we really can't use, but it's not magic. It's portrayed as weird science and it is kind of horrifying and strange and it's never really something that's like people really are supposed to be dealing with it's yeah it's 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 specifically in place to give you a a sense of you know unease and creepiness and and it's supposed to freak you out you know the idea that that a human brain would live in this canister you know, and could be hooked up to a speaker. It's messed up. It, yeah, it's, it's totally... It feels both, it, it, the things that feel so 1950s schlock, oh, but it, also yeah. at the same time kind of like, ooh, that's that's not cool. Yeah, no, it's straight out of Weird Tales, you know? <laughs> Come on, straight out of Weird Tales, you know? Yeah, it's it absolutely is. Um, it doesn't make any sense for us now to kind of think in those terms, but I mean, I can even tell you, you know, in the when I was reading it as a kid, you know, I was already predisposed to sort of take all of, like, I knew it was written in the twenties, you know, I knew yeah, yeah. the time period we were dealing with here. And so it was, it was a little bit easier for me to sort of hop that fence and go, yeah, that's, that's out there, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's but and, and also the, the, the notion people, that we don't know how the brain cylinders work. Right. But you go back to Neuromancer. Right. There was a character in there that was a consciousness that was in a box. Yep. And his if they got through the heist, he gets to be erased. Yep. Yep. So I, it's the same I mean, thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's There's really not much of a difference. And I think because both of them are ostensibly dystopian um you those 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 themes of entropy and decay and corruption are they don't have to be they don't have to be uh front and center but they are present and should be present in in those games they certainly it's a given, right? They put that up front in cyberpunk, right? Any cyberpunk games, like, you know, you know, you know that you're going to die, right? Yeah. <laughs> they start the book with, okay, uh, too much of this stuff will kill you. So right. let's see how much we can put on you. Well, but, that's right. Cause even I think the main character in Neuromancer, he was suffering from a Russian neurotoxin that screwed up his ability to interface. That's right. Oh, that's right. God, I hadn't read that book in forever. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember because you know, those, those little jugs of colored uh, of sugary liquid you can buy at stores are shaped like a barrel and you got a little full and you pop the top and you drink them. Yeah. I had a friend from Neuromans, he called those, he called it Russian myotoxin. So I, that's <laughs> why that stuck with me. Every time right. I see one of drinking those, I think it's Russian myotoxin. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think those are and, and and you know maybe that's maybe that's a way to approach sword and sorcery. You know, if you're if you're not familiar with the authors uh, and you're 
curious about something like uh, Forbidden Lands or, um, or you know, even DCC, which I think is is strongly flavored, um, and 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 their Lankmar campaign and their forthcoming Dying Earth campaign, absolutely proves that that that's where they're leaning. Uh, maybe you don't have a uh, of an uh, the kind of on ramp that from fiction or watching movies or or whatever, but um, but I think cyberpunk it might be a much easier uh, thing to grasp, and then just go okay now take all of that and drop it into you know Zamora uh, and take your, take your Shadowrun adventures. And yep. just <laughs> that's well, not Shadowrun, please. Oh, I can't handle Shadowrun, but but oh, yeah, but, no, that's but it's they're still doing the heists, they're still doing the, the different. I mean, it's just like, yep, those those things are still there, and you're still, you know, instead of uh fighting the power, right? You, you know, instead of bringing down Arasaka or uh one of the other, you know, Biogen or Umbrella, yeah, or any of the other companies that are that are evil. Uh, you're taking out sorcerers in towers, or, or the or the, the prince of Zintara, who's you know plagued the region with his you know maliciousness and has enslaved your your family and your friends and you your go. people. Yeah, the I'm gonna I'll, I'll recommend again the book Legend by David Gimmel. Uh, the the it's 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 fantastic. They literally hired Druss to to ride out the the banner and surrender to the invading army. Army's on their doorstep. They're coming. They're and and they've got reinforcements, but they're not going to get here in time. And so they to avoid the bloodshed, they they decide to surrender and to make themselves look good, they decide to use Druss because people would respect him. And he goes out. He's got his scroll with him. And he's got his famous axe, which, uh, you know, is legendary uh, all on its own. And he chops the emissary's head off and rides back to the keep and says, we fight. Who's with me? And everybody goes, <laughs> it is Druss. And so literally it becomes almost like an Alamo story. And the so with a better stage, ending. Uh, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah, he he dies in a hail of um, yeah. It's he goes out. I mean, it's, it's literally the death of the character. But it's, oh, really? Oh, it's fascinating. It's so good. Um, it's it truly is an amazing, uh, very well written thing. But but it's an it's a wonderful example of all the you know everybody's got something that they want you know, and you can look at. Um, how the generals are are applying, you know, they're trading on Druss's good name and legend, and Druss is, you know, Druss knows he holds a certain amount of power with the men who are who prior to the headlop were were done. They were they were tired and 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 yeah. just beat, and and he comes and he comes right, and it's clear that Gimmel was a Howard fan because. You know, Druss gives some some inspirational speeches that are very Conan esque. You know, uh, so yeah, there's. I th I think those those themes uh, are are wonderful things to play with, and uh, I think there's a lot of value in that. And 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 it, everything that we're saying it goes the other way too. 
you could have a you could have a Conan type character in a cyberpunk game. Uh, you could have, I mean, uh, for, for an for an example of this, go watch Wayne on Amazon. There's eight episodes, uh, and they're not long either. They're it's a, it's a quick watch. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And and if if any of you watching this or listening to this are Robert E. Howard fans or Conan fans, and you and you haven't watched Wayne, that's your homework. You have to watch Wayne uh, before you do anything else. It's uh, it, it will absolutely be worth your while if you if you were ever a Conan fan. Trust me on this. So you've also mentioned a ton of books and works and series, uh, and I also know that you also have uh, various uh, like you're on Substack and you've written many many articles. Do you happen to have? an article that you've written that kind of puts those together or a series of articles. Hmm. you know, I don't, um, I probably should. Uh, that's a, that's a great idea. If you do, I will, <laughs> I will, I will probably link to that. All right. Uh, yeah, I, the last one of these I kind of put together was the thing I did in tools of the trade, which was the, you know, basically my version of appendix in, uh, for heist games, you know, or, you know, if you're doing that, but, um, I, I, you know, I almost, sometimes I think it's not necessary because, you know, I look around at all of my peers who are 35 to 65 and I go, ah, they all know who Conan is. And I forget that there's a lot of people 35 and under who probably don't know who Robert E. Howard is. Well, it's not even just those, but even the Amaro and various other ones you've mentioned. Right. There's a lot of different things like I think would definitely um that what, what was strange was I somebody else uh, had had, had uh, a friend of mine, Wes, uh to pronounce his name, Askles. Uh yeah, Askles. So Wes Askles. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his last name right, but he mentioned Yamaro. In passing to me, and then I think somebody else, you might have mentioned MRL. I heard it somewhere else within a short period of time, and I'm like, I might have listened to a podcast you were um, on. Yeah, Lo, um, Logar the Barbarian brought it up on Twitter the other day. Yeah, yeah. and I was just like, yeah, that's what I was. And I was like, that's weird. He was specifically asking for yeah, uh, yeah. Sword and Soul. So something was going on in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Totally. I don't know why Wes mentioned it. Uh, I kind of mentioned, I don't know why he specifically mentioned that to me in a chat. And then I saw that. And I'm like, I need to talk to Mark about that. So, yeah. I, so I think there's a lot of different things that, uh, that are good that we can. I, Jeff, I have, there's an old Jewish expression that I live by. I live by a number of. Uh, by things. many Jewish expressions. <laughs> I, have, I have many Jewish expressions that I live by, but this is one of them. If three people tell you you're drunk, go lie down. <laughs> So <laughs> exactly. do with that what you will. <laughs> well, I probably got to get going. The, uh, I think uh, my one hour episode is expanded out to uh, an hour and a half, but uh, it's just hard to uh, condense it down with us, Mark. I, I know we, we, I don't think we've hit an uh, under an hour ever. Um, no, we probably never will. <clears throat> I, I would, you're probably going to mention it. Anyways, but I'm going to go ahead and just say um, my biography of Robert E. Howard, uh, Blood and Thunder, The Life and Art of Robert E. Howard is on Amazon. Uh, it was nominated for a World Fantasy Award, and the current edition 
is published by the Robert E. Howard Foundation Press. So the money that you spend on the book goes to preserving Howard's works and legacy. And uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I've made a deal. The book is uh, uh, being translated into Spanish and that will come out this year as well. I'm, I'm oh, very cool. excited about that, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to finally get uh, translated into Spanish. That's long, long overdue. But um, if you want to know more about Robert E. Howard and, and the stuff that he wrote and the way that he wrote it, that's what the, that's what the biography deals with. And um, it'll probably be the thing I'm best known for uh, when all is said and done. Hey, oh, it's not going to be about that radio drama about King Kong? As much as I would like it to be, no. <laughs> I'll have you know that 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 radio that King Kong radio drama is is high art, but it is. I was I I I, I hiked listening to it. Oh, oh it, cool! I enjoyed it very much. So I'm yeah. so glad. So uh, anyway, well, thanks again for coming on, Mark. And, always uh, a pleasure. Anytime, your Kickstarter. There's always yes. A, thank you. Hopefully, you get that that last minute surge that will carry over the line. Fingers crossed. <laughs>